Good morning. Good morning. Everybody warm enough? Well, just right. Just, just perfect, huh? Well, if if you're cold on the outside, maybe we can start on the inside and warm the inside, and then work its way out to the outside. All right. We're glad you're here. We have some guests with us uh, today, and we want to say welcome. If we can be a help to you in any way, please let us know. And it is our heart's desire to love you like God loves us. And that's a big order, but we're working on it, all right? And But we're glad you're here today. Thank you for attending. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you today to uh, focus on you, God. This is the best thing that we could do right now at this moment, is just to clear out all the things that are, are clouding our mind, all the things of, that we might think about tomorrow or next week or what we're going through. And First, let's just start with you, God, and, and let's just create space that you could enter into that space that we would be willing to uh, make room for you to, to speak to us, to guide us, to direct us. And then, Lord, uh, then we can share those things that are on our hearts. But it first starts with you, and, and we're seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and all these other things will be added. All these things will be dealt with with your power and with your strength. So, Father, we want to just start today in our hearts, inviting you to come to speak to us. We know that there are many burdens. There are people here that I know that worry about their dads, their mom, their children, our country, what's happening with laws. and These things are dear to our heart, but God help help you to be the the most dearest thing to our heart of all. And so we ask... uh, you to be pleased in what we offer today as a sacrifice. Help us to sing from our heart these words of love and adoration and worship to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. We're going to start memorizing. We believe, we believe, we believe. 
a scripture together as an audience because our little ones are doing it. So we're going to get the same one they have. So parents, grandparents in the room, or just a person, you can go up to one of the children and say, let's say the memory verse together. So um, I want you just to repeat. We'll do it. Oh, she did have it. Good. Um, this is the memory verse we're going to learn this month, okay? And it's very appropriate because it's Thanksgiving month, and this is how we show our thanks. We sing to the Lord. So Oh, um, all together. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, 1. Let's do that again, okay? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, 1. I hope you know him first and foremost. If you don't, he's an amazing rock to build your life on. So we'll go to our next song now. Our God, our rock.
shout. Uh, nobody can stand. Even It doesn't matter what has happened this week, in the last month, and last year. He is still God, and He is still on that throne, in control. So that's what we rest in, Him. just come to you now and we thank you that you are on the throne number one you are you're there and a man has not done anything that you have not allowed him to do that brings great comfort even myself when I'm wrong or when I've done trusted you and obeyed you it's awesome it's um such a rest and a peace and a joy as the song said we're happy I'm happy when those moments come. So thank you that you are on the throne. And as we sing this last song, God, we want to um, say with our lips, yes, I will obey you. I will. And that's hard to do, to come to this place where we're going to surrender all. It's very difficult. It's a wrestling for sure. The struggle is very real, but what a joy when we finally release our full self to you. 
thank you that you're patient with us and you do not force anything on us. We willingly come or we rebel. Either way, there's not an in-between. It's always one or the other. And God, we want to say yes. We will praise you in whatever our life comes down the pike, Lord. We want to say yes, we will praise you no matter what. The rock of our salvation. We ask and pray these things in your name. Amen. fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out he's working all things out yes I will lift you You can be seated. Thank you, Cindy and Joe and Jeff. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. I know it's been an emotional week for many of us and, um, you know, ups and downs. And uh, you may be celebrating and you may be in a a state of depressed, whatever it is, we're going to go to God's Word, and hopefully we'll end up on the same page. Amen? First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. The Word of God 
is relevant for all generations and for every season uh, in our lives. And so let's read what Peter says in how we should respond to those. And he does a section here about government and government leadership. So we're going to, to read from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. If you'd like to follow along in notes, there's some notes that you should be handed, handed and you should be able to follow along in notes as well. So 1 Peter chapter 2, begin reading. Let's start with verse 13. All right? Be subject, and that's a word, another idea that we might um, recognize more clearly is the word submit. So submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Heavenly Father, we just come to you again and ask for uh, a, uh, a supernatural revelation and part of the Holy Spirit of God upon us, upon you. this message today. Help us to be open to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me remind you that what we just read was a letter written by Peter to Christians who were suffering. And Peter gives us help in how they should respond to suffering. So what this whole book, you know, in the first letter, the first starts off talking about how do we uh, go through suffering? Some of you are going through some great suffering right now. So how do you navigate through that? Well, Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are experiencing suffering. Now, these Christians were experiencing many types of suffering, but one of the things that they were uh, suffering, areas of suffering, they were being persecuted. And not just from people, but also from perhaps their government, from the, the, the leaders in the government. Uh, and so it seems that it was a source of persecution from their government leaders. Now, that's something that is hard for us to really imagine because probably most of us have not experienced the level of persecution that they are going through. It's a very difficult time. Because the government is meant to protect us, but what if it becomes the means of source of giving out suffering? And so this is what they are dealing with. So it's noteworthy that also that when we're going to chapter 2, 1 Peter has five chapters. So chapter 2 and chapter 3 and 4, and then we go to the fifth chapter. In those chapters, Peter identifies five areas that as Christians, we have to learn to submit. I'm going to give it to you, and then later on we'll be going through as we're going through the book of Peter. So, so first one is the government. So we're going to look about this, and that there's a submission to our government leadership. Uh, job, a places of employment, uh, marriage. Oh, that's a, that's a fun one to talk about. Submitting to each other in marriage. Church, there's a submission that happens in church. And in chapter 5, it's talking about the leadership of the church, the pastor, the elders, and, and there's, a, there's a, 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 a submission to that. And then there's a submission to one another. And so there are, there are some areas that, that Peter brings out because the reason he brings this out is that, that there's tension sometimes in our submitting to authority. Peter's subject in the letters about Christians of suffer. Peter identifies and deals with, with relational tension. And the reason I say this is because most of our suffering or tension comes from our relations, don't they? Yeah. Man, if it, if it wasn't for people, it would be great, wouldn't it? Man, if it, if it wasn't for you put their name in there. Man, I could, I, could, I could have peace in my life. And please don't be looking at your mate if you're right now you're in a fight. So God has 
has told us that we're to submit to these areas. God has made us to need people in our lives, and, and truly we are better together. It's, well, in our small groups, we know that doing life together uh, makes us better. We need each other. God has purposely designed us. And so God tells us how we should respond to the authorities in our lives. And we'll be going through that. But understand that this is not just talking about submission to the government, but these are principles that go on to other areas of our life as well. So how do we respond to authorities in our life, especially when we don't like the authority in our lives? Or we don't agree with how they are leading? After an intense election and the questions we ask, how does a Christian respond to government authorities? Some, again, will celebrate, some will depress, but ask, how does God want us to respond? Okay, so we're going to the Word of God. Let's let the Word of God speak to us this morning. What should our response be to the leaders of our government? Well, as we look, number one, believe that God is the source of all authority. Now, that's a, that's a big one. To come to believe is a maturity in the Scriptures and knowing who God is and our relationship with God is the belief that God is the source of all authority. Uh, of all authority. Paul puts this, and Paul takes it into even a deeper spot. And, and Romans chapter 13 is a great chapter to, to, to review on your own with this. But Paul says in Romans 13, he starts off with that chapter. He says, let every person be subject or submit to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So God says that he is the source of all authority. Now, let's reflect back on when Jesus was, was getting ready to go to the cross. As he's been taken from the garden and he stands before different officials and different ones are brought for him and he's tried and he comes before Pontius Pilate and he's getting ready to go to the cross. And Jesus, as he's there in front of this Roman government official, Pilate, Pilate says to Jesus, he says these words, you will not speak to me because Jesus is silent. So Pilate says, question, why aren't you talking? Why aren't you defending yourself? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? That's what Pilate said to Jesus. Now notice what Jesus answered. Jesus answered, listen, Here's what he says, that you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. John chapter 19. You see what Jesus is saying? All authority on earth, on earth is a derivative of God's authority. All funnels back to God. Pilate has authority. Herod had authority. Soldiers have authority. Government has authority. Satan has authority. But none is independent. All their authority is a derivative. All of it is subject to God's authority and God's will. So we can take comfort that the powers to be are the powers of God meant to be. Like Jesus standing before Pilate. You don't have to fear a lesser authority because you are precious to your sovereign father. And even though that authority in front of you may be exercising something that caused you to suffer, there is an authority above that that gave permission for that authority to do that. That's heavy. This means that our comfort comes not from the powerlessness of our enemies, as our enemies do possess power. But our comfort comes from knowing that our Heavenly Father has a sovereign rule over their power. And this is the point when Paul brings it out in Romans chapter 8. He says, Tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword cannot separate us from, from Christ because in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Those authorities are overridden by God's authority. Now, friend, when we go through this, these difficult subjects, 
as a focus here this morning, we, we, we come to this as a biblical world, a biblical view of the world. We look at the world through God's eyes, through God's word. God created the world, and he designed it with the law and order, with authority and submission to authority. And, it, and listen, if we never learn that we, that we are to submit to authority that God places on, we have a difficult road to follow in life. Life doesn't make sense without God. Only God can make sense of the nonsense. The little turtle climbs the tree very slowly and very painful. Then she crawls along a branch to the very end, and when she finally gets to the edge, she jumps and she falls, but she doesn't get discouraged. So she walks to the tree, climbs the tree, she crawls along the branch, she, she gets to the edge and she jumps and falls to the ground. Again, with a stubborn look on her face, the little turtle walks slowly to the tree. She climbs the tree, she crawls on the branch, she gets to the edge, she jumps and falls again. In a nearby tree, a couple of pigeons are looking over the little turtle. Walk, climb, crawl, jump, fall, and do it all over again. And after a while, one of the pigeons says to the other pigeon, Hey, honey, do you think it's time we tell her that she's adopted? <laughs> Life isn't going to fit. It's not going to make sense until we take a biblical view of the world. And we could go further into all this, but there's the prophetic timetable. There's the things in the season that God does. And we're in a special season that God is performing a great and glorious work. It is sad at one time, and yet it is glorious in another way. And we have this mingling together. But recognizing God as a source of authority will help us with the lesser authorities that we have to deal with. Number two, we accept that all authority, all government leaders are sent by God. Did you, did you see this in the text? And we'll, we'll look at the text again. How God is connected to the authority that he puts in our life that comes through the human institution, government. He says in verse 13, again, he says, be subject, submit and he says, for the Lord's sake. Notice how many times is a reference to God. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And then he goes and names some besides the government institution. And then verse 14, or to the governors, as sent by him. And who is him? It is God. God sins. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. And verse 16 again that these are, uh, as it says at the end of that verse, servants of God. They're tools, they're instruments in God's hands. That we are to honor everyone, love the brotherhood. If you fear God, honor the emperor and king. And so we know that God has sent these as servants of God. To punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. God makes it very clear that they are servants of God. Now let us not forget as we, Peter is writing this letter that he's writing not to this, this place where there was just a happy time. The Christians were just thriving. It was like, you know, that the TBN was, was you know, filling the air and everybody was worshiping. It wasn't at all. It was a very difficult time because Nero was the emperor. And Nero had such a, a wicked, evil mind that, that he set uh, Rome on fire and then blamed the Christians for doing it. That would be difficult. It would be like for us today to, to think that the pandemic was there and then it started being given out by our, our government officials that the Christians have caused the pandemic. And we would struggle with that. There would be great tension put on us because of that. And so you understand that when Peter is writing to these Christians, they were either in a difficult time of persecution or they're getting ready to go into a time of horrendous persecution. And so he writes this, that, and, and he says that these now, these are servants of God. This is the will of God. These are sent by God. Do this for the Lord's sake. That is a difficult thing for us to do. Now, does this mean that government leaders are perfect? 
No, doesn't mean that at all. Doesn't mean that they will always make perfect decisions. They're just sinners like you and I who were born into this world and we needed a Savior. We needed Jesus as anybody, uh, as, as they need Jesus as bad as anyone. And it doesn't mean that they get a free pass to do evil. It doesn't mean that they can do what they want. You remember when John the Baptist was here upon the scene uh, on the earth, and you remember how that he went to Herod and, 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 and started saying, not only to Herod, but to others, and said, Herod, it's not right for the king, Herod, to have his brother's wife. It said, he said it was unlawful. And he literally lost his head over that. Daniel told King Belshazzar in the writing on the wall that his kingdom would be taken away that night. Nathan confronted King David with his adultery with Bathsheba. You know, there are some confrontations in the scriptures. There are those that need to be confronted because the decisions made. But how do we process the evil decisions by a government leader? That God is a sovereign God, and he will even use the devil as a servant to do his will. He used Judas. He will use others to bring glory to him, whether they're good or, or bad. We're to accept all government leaders as the servants of God. We don't have to prove all that they do is godly. We just need to believe that God is using them to do his will, and his will is good. Now, that's a great amount of faith. That's a great thing that we have to, we have to make God bigger than anything else more powerful than anyone or any place or any situation. Number three, we submit to the leaders of our government. This is our response. We're to submit. Since the leaders are in place by God, a failure to submit is a failure to submit to God. Submit for the Lord's sake, which means submit when we don't understand or like it. But we do it for the Lord because the Lord has asked us to do that. I'll jump ahead. Sometimes, you know, we don't always agree. There are times that I don't always agree with my wife. It's rare, but sometimes she doesn't always agree with me. But there is some submission that happens. And we don't like it, and we may not even understand it. I mean, uh, sometimes, very few times, I don't understand the way she's thinking. Sometimes. But it doesn't matter. We submit. You remember Jesus? Jesus going to the cross the night before. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, God, I'm going to do your will. Father, I'm going to do your will. Your will will be done. There's a bigger truth in all areas of our life and the five areas that are mentioned that we're to submit to our boss, marriage, church, leadership. If we do not learn to submit in these areas, we struggle in life. And so this is most important. The person who hasn't learned to submit to authority, listen, I'm going to say this again. The person who has not learned to submit to authority that God has placed in our life through these human institutions, will not submit to God's authority. And so this is serious business here. Parents, for the well-being of your child, teach them to submit to authority that God has placed in their life. It'll be health. It'll be good for that child. Because ultimately... That teaches them to submit, to have a submissive spirit to God when God says, trust and obey. So this isn't about listening to a tyrant God. It's about ultimately having a relationship that's close and intimate with God. It's not about a power struggle. It's about God wanting to have a relationship. And he says, here's the way that we have a relationship, is that we have to have this, this spirit of submissiveness. We have to humble ourselves before God. And if we'll do that, he lifts us up, and we have this relationship with him that is so real and sweet. And so we must decide 
that when God places authorities in our life that we're going to submit. Number four, we must reject the idea that we're to respect only those who support our views. We cannot say that everyone must earn my respect. God says, submit whether you respect of that or not. First Timothy gives us the idea, as Paul's writing here in Titus as well, in First Timothy, gives the idea uh, to be considerate, to be gentle to others, especially in those who are in the authority in our life. He says in First Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he says, for kings, for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful life quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So pray for them, lift them up, support them, give thanksgiving for them. Titus, and Paul writes in Titus, he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Oh my goodness, that, that's hard for me to wrap my head around and to put that into practice. And so I need the Spirit of God to help me with this. We're to pray and support for those who are in authority in our lives. Now what do we do when the laws of the land goes against the laws of God? Well, there are several illustrations, examples in the Bible, live examples in the Bible and one of them is found in Acts chapter 4 when the laws of the land goes against the laws of God. So I'm going to read some verses. There's quite a few verses from the book of Acts chapter 4. You can either write the reference, listen, or turn to Acts chapter 4. And I'll begin reading verse 3. This is about Peter and John. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could not see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since, they could, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So if they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber, chamber and, conferred, and conferred among them, what should we do with these men? They asked each other, we can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and and they truly did. They caused a man to be, to be uh, healed of his blindness. They say they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. And so they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. This was the law that was given by the government official. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot, step top, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone is praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. And as soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers, told them that the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And they said, O oh, sovereign Lord, and sovereign over all, creator of heavens and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors, David, your servant, saying, we were the nations so angry, or excuse me, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time and futile plans? The kings of earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in every city for Herod Antipas. Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did, now get this, but everything they did determined beforehand according to your will. Did you get that? That the will of God was being performed according to those that were against Jesus. 
But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear the threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer of their meeting, place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. And so my friend, here's the point. When the land... When the law of the land clashes with God's law, we obey God's law over man's law. The law of the land says a woman has the right to take up the life of the birth of a child in the womb. God says that he is the giver of life and the taker. His law overrides the right to abort a child in the womb. If a nation says, you know, well, we, you must kill uh, uh, the, uh, the girls so that we can have more boys, God's law overrides that law. You remember when Pharaoh said to the, to the Israelites there and Moses and said, you know, I, the Israelites, you kill all those, those boys under the age of two years old. And God says laws. And the Israelites follow God and said, no, we're not going to do this. When, when, the, when Pharaoh heard of this uh, and, the, and the officials came to Pharaoh to report, he said, what is this? How come they keep, keep having these boys? And he said, oh, well, well sir, you know, they're, they're, these, these uh, Israelites women, they're lively. You know, they just have these babies. They just pop them out just like that before we get to them. They obey God's law over man's law. And that's what we're to do. When God's law clashes with man's law, always fall on the side of God. Number five, and it's the last one, give respect to all. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Oh my goodness, that's a tall order, isn't it? Honor or respect everyone in your life. Not to agree, but we have to give respect and honor to everyone. Doesn't matter where they're born, their status in life, who they are, color of their skin, color of whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. We're to honor everyone because God tells us to do that respect to all. True story. In 320 AD, in the area of present day Turkey, let me just back up. Uh, some of you, I know Joe will probably mention, remember this. Dan, Don Francisco had this song about this, this 40 soldiers uh, 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 being persecuted. But here's the story, and here's the backstory of that song. Governor Argacola spoke mildly but firmly, had good, strong warriors before him. He needed them, and they must be brought into line. I am told you refuse to offer the sacrifice ordered by Emperor Licinus. One of the soldiers answered on behalf of the rest, we will not sacrifice to do so as to betray our holy faith. But what about your comrades? Consider you alone of Caesar's troops defy him. Think of the disgrace you bring upon your, your legion. How can you do it? To disgrace the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is more terrible still, said the soldiers. A note of exasperation crept into the governor's voice. Give up this stubborn folly. You have no Lord but Caesar. In his name, I promise promotion to the first of you who steps forward and does his duty. He paused at a moment, expecting his lure would break their ranks. None of them moved. He switched tactics. You persist in your rebelling and then prepare for torture, prison to death. This is your last chance. Will you obey your emperor? The soldiers stood firm, although they, will, they well knew the governor would carry out his threat. And they spoke, nothing you can offer us will replace what we would lose in the next world. As for your threats, we've learned to deny our bodies where the welfare of our soul is at stake. Agricola ordered, flog them. Pairs of guards seized each man and dragged them out into the cold where they were stripped and tied to a post. And soon the swish of whips and the thud of blows filled the air with groans. Hooks of iron tore the men's sides and unbelievable, through their flesh, 
Though their flesh was bruised, their skins were tattered, and their blood flowed, not one of the forty surrendered. Chained them in my dungeons, roared Agricola. We'll see what Laius has to say about this. Laius was a commander of the 12th Legion. Was an old gentle mood when the 40 Christian soldiers were hauled before him a few days later, and he, his ride from Antioch to Sevas had been a tedious and cold. And he said sternly, you will obey me or, you pay, or pay a sharp penalty. The men answered with respectful defiance, just as they had Agricola. Lysus had not, had not become a commander by coddling traitors, and he did not intend to begin now. He motioned to Agricola. Agricola came beside Lysus. As judge, he must make these unbending men conform, but how? Just then a frigid gale blew across the frozen pond below and stabbed it into his cheek. It gave him an idea. Take them down to the pond, he ordered. Turning to the soldiers, he had, you will stand naked on the ice until you agree to sacrifice to the gods. Agricola could hardly believe what his eyes saw next. The rebels began stripping off their own clothes and running towards the pond in the freezing March air. We are soldiers of the Lord and fear no hardship, shouted one. What is our death but entrance into eternal life? Sing it, brothers. Striked up a song. The men marched onto the frozen pond. Baffled Agricola posted guards around them. He squinted into the falling sun. Surely the bitter cold of evening would change their minds. Wait. There was something else he could do. Heat baths of warm water, he ordered the guards. Place them around the pond. That ought to lure them out pretty quickly, he smirked. The sun began to sink behind the hills, and then upon the night air could be heard a prayer. Lord, there are 40 of us engaged in this battle. Grant that 40 may be crowned and not one be missing from this sacred number. Standing on the shore, the shivering guards shouted into the night, Don't be idiots! What's the point? Come on out! Look, one of the guards suddenly exclaimed, pointing towards the sky. What? Said his fellow guard, eyes probing the darkness. It's too dark to see anything. But Jovi, I wish this was over and I'm freezing out here. Don't you see them spirits hovering around with the golden crowns over those fellows' heads, holding out rich robes for them? Are you out of your mind? It's pitch black. Hey, there's someone coming. It's one of them. Babbling, one of the 40 crawled towards them from the ice, and the two ran towards, grasped his shouldering arms, and helped him into a bath. But the heat was too much of a shock to his frozen system, and he went into convulsion and died. The guard who had seen the vision of crowns without delay shucked off his clothes, ran into the ice, and the martyrs would be 40 again. When the sun rose, Agricola was told that the 40 were dead. Well, get the bodies off the ice, he commanded, and burned them, and dumped the ashes in the river. The youngest was still alive. The guards backed the wagon as near as the pond as they could and began stacking the stiff corpse into it. Then a bizarre twist occurred. Hey, we've got a live one here. The guard shouted, it's, it's Melito, poor fella, he's just a kid. Local boy, too. And that's his mom up there. The soldier beckoned to the woman, and she came near. Listen, mother, take your boy home. Save his life if you can. We'll look the other way. What kind of talk is that, scolded the woman. She seemed genuinely upset. The guards looked at each other in astonishment. Would you cheat him of his crowns? I'll never let that happen. As the wagon began to roll away, she lifted her son with her peasant strength, hoisting him in with the others. Go, son, she cried. Go to the end of this happy journey with your comrades so that you won't be the last to present yourself before God. 
One of the guards tapped the side of his head, rolled his eyes upward. Christians, he muttered. I just don't understand them. The point of this story that I just read is a true story. We are to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. And in his by that obeying can put us on a platform that, what, 2,000 years later, we're still telling the story of about 40 men who gave their life, and it inspires us and encourages us to obey God, to walk with him, to trust him. We're to respect all authorities that God has placed in our lives, whether we like them or, re- or respect them. And when the laws of the land go against God's law, we choose to obey God's law. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we gaze up to you, you are a potentate of the universe, the supreme ruler ruler of all creation, the one who sits on the throne that is above all other thrones. There is no one like you. None, none come close to being like you. God, your, your ways are far higher than our ways. Your will will be done no matter what. Father, we confess we struggle in this area of submission. In giving respect and submitting to what we don't like or understand. Please help us in our unbelief. Help us to have that faith that that God, you know what is best for our world. And that you will use us to bring glory to yourself. It is your desire to reach this world, to love this world, to redeem this world. And we can be a part of that plan of redemption. We need that humble spirit of Christ that was manifested on the cross. Working us will draw others to come to know who you are. By the grace of God, we accept your plan of saving us and saving our world. We relinquish our authority to you. We give up our control that your will be accomplished through us. And Father, we trust that you will use both the good and the gift and the difficult to bring glory to yourself in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close out a, the worship song that will speak to us and allow us to speak to God as we sing these words from our heart. And if we can do anything for you, please let us know. Write that on a connection card. We'll contact you or see us after the church. We're here for you to pray with you to help you in any way. Let's sing.
that you have made it very obvious and you're using humans that are sinful but saved. We are redeemed and we thank you for that. May we show you and your love to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go with God this week.